Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Hi, I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for joining us. Now, I want to show a hands. How many of you listeners want to write a book? Come on now. Show of hands, how many of you has started one book but never finished it? How about two books? How about a book that you started 10 years ago and unfortunately I fall into that category and frankly, I've raised my hands on every question I just asked. Ladies and gentlemen, I am that author who just can't seem to find time to get the words down on paper. Not to say I haven't written, I've written articles and blogs and ebooks and workbooks. That elusive novel, self-help book, marketing book, because that's who I am, or that mystery, actually the one I started over 10 years ago, is still sitting in the digital files on my computer. But today on the show, I have Laura Gale, a ghostwriter, and this isn't a scary thing, but a ghostwriter who is here to help all of us and help you closet authors or procrastinators, unfortunately I fall into both of those categories, kickstart that book sitting in the drawer. So stay tuned. Here's one thing I'm happy to write about, a strategic plan. Your strategic plans are essential to managing your business's growth. Spend the time to develop a cohesive roadmap to follow to ensure your entire team is moving in the right direction. These plans should take the insights and the brand strategy work you've already completed to help you achieve your long-term business and growth objectives, as well as keep you competitive. These are actionable plans and should include the details of achieving your growth, including tactical implementations, timelines, budgets, and KPIs for success. Developing your plan is a team sport. Make sure you include the stakeholders from each of your strategic departments in your organization, because everybody in the company is impacted by the success or failure of your plans. The following are six key questions to ask yourself. Do you have a clear understanding about what you're trying to achieve? Number two, what does your brand stand for in the eyes of your customers? Three, why do your customers buy from you? Four, what are your competitors doing? And five, what is your approach to sales? Where are your opportunities for revenue coming from? And number six, how can you differentiate yourself from your competition? Visit theponzigroup.com to learn more. I have Laura Gal, a ghostwriter, here to help us figure out a way to get that book out of our head and onto paper. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Angelo. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I am actually really excited because I am a, a, a I'm going to say a closet author because. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, now I, I write all the time. I write articles, I write blogs, I do videos, I publish eBooks, workbooks, but, but the elusive, I'm not saying novel, but self-help, whatever it happens to be, you know, I just haven't got there yet. I have, I have a marketing book over, over to my right <laughs> and probably about a hundred and some odd pages in, but it, but I haven't touched it in six months. I have a novel, a mystery that I started, boy, 12 years ago, got through about six chapters and it still sits there. And I, I did revisit it about about six months ago because I got excited one day and I, all I did was re-edit what I'd already written and stopped and never got back to it. And then I have a, another kind of, I'll call it a business book, but it's based on you know the lessons my father taught me. And... Same thing. I'm like six, seven chapters in. I actually have the whole thing outlined, but it just finding the time to sit down and do it. And I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges for someone like myself and why they reach out to someone like you. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of people running their own businesses, there's this dream to write a book. And, you know, I'm obviously a huge proponent of that process, but it does take time and energy and if you're running lots of other projects it's it can be hard to find that space one thing that I've been doing myself recently obviously you know I have a lot of client work going on and everything but I do want to publish my own work as well and so I've been just spending half an hour every day writing by hand and that has been 
actually a really kind of good um, separation from the, the client process because it feels like a different process and it's only half an hour, you know, I can squeeze it in here or there, even if it's over lunch or something. Um, and so that has been one way of kind of getting around that, that block. Do you, do you for yourself, and, and this is one of the things that I've been thinking about doing, block out a, a very specific time of day that you focus on your own work? Or is it just I, kind of when I you find don't. the time? I don't. I um, I have a little rebellious streak that is really only rebellious with myself, but I, I don't do well sticking to strict schedules. And so I do the first thing that feels easy for the day and then I do the next thing that feels easy. And, you know, it's I just sort of roll from one thing to the next. So sometimes it will be my own stuff first thing in the morning, but it tends to be client work. Um, sort of the first half of the day and then um, by the time I hit mid-afternoon then I sort of think okay I've gotten all of the things that I have to get done off off my plate and then I can kind of spend a bit more time in that slightly more creative space. Yeah well I'm not going to feel too bad then if you're struggling to write your own books <laughs> but but you but you have you have published I, I don't want it's one of my questions for later on but I'm going to ask it now so you have written uh, uh, books for yourself? I have. Yes. And and how many and and what are they about? And and I know because I have notes, but I want you to tell the audience. <laughs> well, I've published two so far. I'm working on my third at the moment and I have an agent who's cracking the whip over my shoulder for that one. So that's a little bit of extra motivation. Um, the first two were specifically about business. The first one was on content marketing and that one was called Content That Converts. And that was all about how to build a replicable content marketing system for B2B companies. I just felt like for years there was just nothing out there about this topic and everybody was talking about how powerful content marketing was and no one was talking about how to do it. So that book came out in 2016, I believe. And then the second one was called How to Write This Book. And that's basically a distillation of my whole process for working with clients to create their books. So everything that I do when I take on a new ghostwriting client from start to finish is, is in that book. And it's very much designed to help people kind of understand what they don't know yet about that process so that they can kind of get past all of those mental blocks that do stop people from writing because I think often the process the problem is not knowing what comes next you know what do I need to do especially if I get stuck what happens if I get stuck and how can I kind of get around that and keep going and so that book is very directed at, at solving those problems. Well it, it's interesting it, and by the way you just sold a copy because uh, <laughs> as soon as we're done I'm going to go buy one but when I started to write my mystery, you know, my, my oldest boy is a writer and he's written a book and he's in the process of writing a, another book. And he, but that's how he makes his living. But so he said, oh, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. And so I, I must have like nine books that I was trying to juggle and figure out the best process. And I think I might have confused myself more than maybe just getting it down on paper. And because that's how I write when I write articles, I just get it down. Then I go back and I re-edit and I re-edit and, you know, fine tune. And but for some reason with the book, I get stuck or or, or I I get lost in the process. I think and that's I, a lot of head trash that comes out with books because we sort of really value books in our culture. We really sort of hold authors up on a pedestal. And it's funny because, you know, even now with self-publishing, that process is so much more accessible, but there's still something there in kind of your self-perception that has to tweak a little bit uh, to say, you know, this is something worth talking about. It's a story worth telling. And I've got to, you know, sit down and, and prioritize my own interest here. And that's not something that we're necessarily very good at. Right. When, when you talk to a, someone who wants to do a book, I mean, I, I think part of it would have to be, I'm going to say, besides the procrastination and other things that drive, you know, someone to pick up the phone to call you. But how much do you have to be a therapist to deal with someone who's, who maybe is self-doubting that what they have to say is worth saying? It happens on most projects that there's a conversation about, is this really valuable? Am I just stroking my own ego? Is there a space in the market for this? You know, people, I think, get partway into a project it's usually about a third of the way through and they start to think oh, what if it's what if it's not what I hoped it was going to be what if it's not what if nobody likes it basically and and that conversation is always about 
why you have something valuable to say. And I, I really believe that each of us, especially in the business world, have really valuable lessons to share and really important insights to share. And I think, you know, my kind of mission is always to get those lessons out in the world because it can really facilitate a lot of other people to kind of create the lives that they want if they have access to all of these hard-won lessons from people who have gone before them. And so I really think even if there are other books in your genre or on this topic, nobody has had your particular experiences. Nobody has come from your background. People don't have your same perspective. And so there will be readers for what you have to say. And you will say it in a way that resonates with people who maybe have never been able to kind of get what other books have been talking about. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and that's a great point because, you know, when I talk to other marketing people and when I meet them, so I belong, I I mentioned earlier, I belong to these kind of networking groups and I sit in these meetings and there might be 30 people in the room and there's seven marketers. And so I was like, how do I differentiate myself? What do I do? And then when I talk to them, I realize that we have very, very different backgrounds, even though we both have the, you know, in quotes, marketing title. And so that perspective, and I think that's what I was trying to bring to my, you know, quote unquote, marketing book. And, and I think where I got lost in the process and, and was I started getting beyond. So I, I like to look at the business in a holistic view from standpoint and, and address that. But I started getting the areas that I know they're important. I know how to talk about them, but I don't actually know how to do them. I, I'm not an accountant. And so when I started getting into the finance world, I started getting really lost. And I thought, OK, who's going to read? you know, the marketing guy's book on finance, but there is a finance component. So, um, yeah, so really interesting, interesting. So I have all these questions, but but you keep saying things and I just want to go down the path. <laughs> so one of the, one of the things about people start to write a book and now there's that part about getting it published and, and I'm kind of skipping the whole process and so we're going to come back to that. But you said agent, and you said self-publishing. And I think we're, that's what a lot of people struggle with. Uh, I know that a friend of mine has written several books. He's always self-published. This last time around, he went through, you know, one of the named publishers. And he actually didn't maybe get the traction he had hoped. Um, and he did a better job when he was just self-publishing. What's yeah. your thoughts on that? I think there is always room for both models. I come out of the traditional publishing world. I worked as a publicist for several years um, in one of the big five publishing houses. And so I, I am pretty familiar with that process. And I think for a lot of people, self-publishing is just an amazing, amazing platform. You know, it gives you so much control over the process. You really get to make the project what you want it to be. And you don't really have to adjust it at all for anybody else's considerations. And if you're writing it about your business, that's really, really valuable. The lead times in traditional publishing are very long and you really can't make use of the book in the interim, you know, going from when you finished writing to when it's actually available for sale. Often there's 18 months, two years before you're really able to make use of it. And so if you're writing it to grow your business, that's just dead time. Um, so self-publishing really takes care of that. Um, I have self-published my first two books and most of my clients have published, uh, have self-published. Um, a couple of people have been offered book deals after um, completing the projects and they've gone ahead with those just because it kind of opens up a new range of opportunities. But it does mean that you sort of have to be willing to compromise on title and cover design and the publication timeline and I think what people don't understand about traditional publishing is that most big publishers are putting out dozens, if not hundreds of books every month. So most publishers are split into imprints. So you might have five or 10 different brands, you know, quote unquote brands under the publisher title. Um, and then each of those different brands or imprints as they're known, publish a different genre of book or different type of book. And each of those imprints is probably publishing 30 to 50 books a month. So your book is one of many on, on a list for that month. You know, this is a constant churn. And so you are going to have to do a lot of marketing, a lot of publicity on your own steam. There might be a little bit of budget to help you with that. But, you know, unless you're really, really sort of a brand name and you've got good name recognition, probably the amount of resources available to you through a traditional publisher are not going to be huge. So even though I, you know, this book that I'm working on at the moment, I want to go through that traditional process so that I understand 
what that's like and I can advise people better on it. And I also have a sort of different goal for this book to what I've had for the previous two. But even though I'm going in with an agent, with all of this track record, you know, I've sold thousands and thousands of copies of my previous two books. So I'm in a strong position with a publisher, but it's still not going to be enough to get me, you know, their kind of murky treatment. So I, I will go in with a publicity team behind me. I'll have a plan, you know, but it's going to be on my own steam. And so I think people just really need to understand no matter which option you choose, you really are going to have to lead the marketing yourself. And it really just comes down to then what's your goal for the book is basically choosing between self-publishing and traditional publishing, I think really comes down to what your goal for the book is. And if the goal is to get your brand out there and to sort of reach a very wide audience, a very broad audience, then going with a traditional publisher can be great. Um, if you are wanting it to be very targeted in who you um, who you get in front of and who your readers are, um, you want to put it to use in your business straight away, then I think usually self-publishing is the better option. Um, so I want to backtrack just a little bit because I got so excited we kind of jumped right into it. But I, but I actually want to take a, a couple minutes and let you tell the audience about who you are in your business. <laughs> so uh, I grew up in Australia. I did a writing and publishing degree and then went straight into working at this publishing house. Um, I worked there for several years and had some really amazing experiences there working on Nelson Mandela's book and Tina Fey's book and some work with JK Rowling when she sort of moved into um, adult fiction. And so I had a real in the deep end experience in the book industry there. Um, and that was amazing. But uh, about 2011, when Amazon was really starting to pick up speed, the book industry just seemed to be really struggling. A lot of people were getting laid off. And so I thought I need to sort of figure out how to, you know, do this on my own, basically, how I can sort of future proof my work a little bit. And so I sort of quit the quit the publishing house before I got laid off. And then uh, went into basically doing content marketing, helping people write copy and all kinds of um, material for all kinds of different niches. And eventually a client said to me, I know that you've been doing all of this content marketing stuff and that's great, but didn't you work in publishing for a while? Couldn't you do books? And I sort of said, well, I guess probably. <laughs> and he said, well, I want to write a book. So can you help me write a book and we'll just figure it out together? And I was like, okay. So, <laughs> um, you know, that was very serendipitous and, and a pretty generous, uh, bet for him to make but it definitely led me to to ghostwriting and and now that's um the bulk of what I do I, I do usually three projects a year with clients to sort of write books about their businesses and how they have come to be and yeah it keeps me very busy what's a kind of a time frame you know is obviously you can't write three books all at the same time so how, how what's a typical commitment to to get a book written 60 days, 90 days, 120 days. I ideally would have about six months with a project, but most of the time it usually ends up being four and a half or five. And, and I would imagine a lot of it also has to be, and, and I, I even tell clients this, they said, can you move this project along? I said, yes, but if, you, if you're available, don't put pressure on me and then you disappear and, and then I still expect me to meet the deadline. So I would imagine it's a give and take and, and working with, with someone in a ghostwriting situation? Yeah, I try to be pretty clear with clients about when I'm going to be able to give them the best experience. You know, I don't want to take, I don't want to double up um, at particular stages of a project. You know, if, if we're at, um, if I'm in stage three of one project, I can certainly start on stage one with a different project. But if we're on stage two, where I'm sort of thinking about drafting and I'm really immersed in the material, I don't want to be doing that on two books. So I really do try to spread out the workflow. Um, basically, I ended up sort of building a waiting list. So um, when clients want to work with me, they just put down a deposit and like take the next available slot, basically, because it just means that they know when it's coming, they know what the timeline is, they can get a lot of material ready in advance. So if they want to go faster, then they have everything that we would need to do that. But um, it's, you know, there's only so much output I can physically manage. <laughs> and so I do have to be a little bit um, careful about how I plan those projects. Okay. What do you think the, the biggest misunderstanding is by someone who wants to engage with, with you or a ghostwriter? I think there's a lot of 
anxiety about using a ghostwriter that it's not going to sound like you or that the work isn't really yours or that you're sort of cheating by by using somebody else. Um, I really disagree with that. Obviously, I think, you know, you hire other experts in your business all the time to help you. You know, you get somebody to help you with your taxes. You get a designer to help you with your website design. You know, you're, you're hiring people all the time. And I really think it's the same with writing. They're, the job of a ghostwriter is to take your words, your message, your brand, and just capture that on the page. They shouldn't really be at all in the story. You know, when your reader is going through the book, they should think, wow, I can really hear, hear Angelo on the page here. You know, I can hear his voice in my head as I'm reading. That's my ultimate goal for every book is that it sounds exactly like the client and that nobody would ever know the difference. So that's, I think, the biggest anxiety that people have. And it's really one of the things that I spend a lot of time making sure that we get right. Well, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I, I know in in um, so one of the books that I had started, I I, um, I I think I mentioned my son is a writer, so I engaged with him, and so he was generating some of the content, and I and I always struggled with the idea that it wasn't me writing it, and, and certainly he knows me, so he, he captured my voice, but mentally, I, I had this thing in the back of my head that it really wasn't me, and part of that was maybe ego and, and things like that, so. I think I can imagine a lot of people struggle with that. It's like, I want to get it done. I don't have the time. And if I engage with somebody, then to your point, cheating, <laughs> to, you know, to get to, to get the book out. And, and um, uh, I could definitely see and, and experience how people could wrestle with that. Mm. I think, though, that you've gone through all of this experience. You have earned all of these stories, you know, and, and I'm not injecting anything that you haven't told me you know the first part of the ghostwriting process is to spend quite a lot of time just talking through all of the material that you want to cover so together we would lay out what the strategic purpose of the book is and then we would go into building an outline so we have a plan to work from then we just do a lot of interviews based on that outline and so I record all of those conversations and so as much as possible that material is verbatim what the client has said so, you know, it, it is them. It's just in a, in a different format. It's, you know, if they were presenting it, you know, it's sort of like they're almost reading the audiobook before it's been edited. You know, they're, they're just telling me the information and I'm just capturing it. So it is very much them. They're just not the ones putting it, you know, typing it onto the page. Sure. Well, it's interesting you said, um, you know, kind of recording an audio and having a conversation. So actually one of my books, I think I mentioned, is, is kind of like life lessons uh, from my father. And I was back home, back east for a family reunion. And I was sitting at a friend's house um, that I hadn't seen. And I was waiting to get taken to the family reunion. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I just started thinking about my dad, uh, who had passed about 12 years earlier. And he was a plumber. And so I started working with him when I was like 12 years old. And so I started telling, doing, uh, thinking of stories. So I literally picked up my phone and I started recording um, my thoughts, which I later turned into a podcast. And, and so people heard the podcast and they said, oh, you should write a book. This is really interesting and funny. And, you know, and so that was the inspiration to take it further and, you know, recapture those stories. And, you know, a lot of times what we think is funny isn't necessarily other people think is funny. So, uh, but, you know, that was the the foundation for that. And I, so I like that idea of talking it out and, and you know, working from there, because again, it's a stream of consciousness. I mean, I give a, a one hour webinar on marketing, which I actually recorded one not too long ago. And I turned it into a podcast because, I mean, it was really educational and, and instead of me going back and trying to recreate it, I mean, it just took some editing to, to get it out there. And, and to your point, I could turn that into some kind of, you know, ebook or something if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, what are some of the other steps? And I mean, is there typically, I mean, you started talking about, you know, meeting with the client, you know, getting the content, getting the idea of the direction and the stages. I mean, so is there kind of a building block approach that you take and, and, I, and I, I'm really 
you know, just to, for pure understanding and how this process works. Yeah, I think building blocks is a pretty good analogy. I really want to start every project with a very clear understanding of what the client wants the book to do in their business. Um, is it for leads? Is it for brand recognition? Is it, you know, there, there's all sorts of goals that you might have. But if I can understand that upfront and understand how it's going to fit into the existing marketing ecosystem of your business, then that's going to give me a lot of clarity about how we work through the process. Um, something that we talk about very early on is the marketing. I think, you know, people often delay beginning the marketing until very late in the process. And I really want people to start very early in the process. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it takes time to build momentum about something. And, you know, if you've got four or six months of promotional lead time before the book is available, you know, I, I want that to be used. Um, so that's kind of the early conversations about how that's going to happen. And then we go into, as I said, building an outline. Then we go into interviews. Once the interviews are done, I sort of take all of that material, go off into my little writer cave and turn all of that into a draft. So it's, you know, something that's cohesive and has a narrative structure and it's, it's easy to consume. Um, and then once that's complete, then I come back to the client and say, okay, let's go through some editing, show me where things need to be tightened up, where things are missing. Um, if there's anybody's, uh, you know, anybody that we can interview to add sort of depth to this. Um, and then once the interviews are, sorry, once the editing is complete, then we can go into getting it ready for publication and then get it ready to launch. Okay. So I'm looking at my bookshelf and I've got skinny books. I got thick books. <laughs> I've got, you know, things that are like 500 pages and stuff that's a hundred pages. What, it, what is kind of a, some rules of thumb that if you want to, you know, have a book and leverage it. And that's going to be my next question, how people leverage it, but leverage it for public speaking or building, you know, uh, um, thought leadership. But is there kind of a minimum, you know, the book needs to be a hundred minimum of a hundred pages or 115 pages. You know, what, is there any kind of guidelines and, and the kind of word counts that people need to think about? It depends a lot, obviously, but I usually would aim for about 200 pages, which is, you know, usually in the range of 40 to 45,000 words. Um, that amount of content indicates to people that you are an expert, you know what you're talking about, but it's still accessible. You know, once you sort of start going past the 300 page mark, people start to feel a bit daunted. You know, it's a lot to read. And 200 pages, if you're if you're focused, you can get through that in a weekend and, and that's, you know, it's pretty easy to consume. And so I think that's kind of the sweet spot where um, people can see just how much experience you have, really come to think of you as an expert on this subject matter, um, but it's not so big that they think, oh, that makes me feel tired. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so in as my podcast is built, um, I, I get authors all the time and they'll send me their books and, and, and some of them are just like, Oh my God, this thing's like 350 pages. I, I can't read. Right. <laughs> I don't have time to read this book, you know, to digest it. And so it's always interesting, um, on the, on kind of the, what's in the book, the content. And a lot of times I do read and it, you know, sometimes I feel like it's just a lot of filler stuff mm. and it's, you know, that just to make it bigger versus, you know, just stick into what, you know, the real message is and the content. Yeah. I'm not about that. That makes me crazy. <laughs> I'd yeah. much rather read a 200 page book. That's very uh, lean and to the point and, you know, it's all fresh material. It's not being repeated over and over in different ways. Um, repetitive books like that, I would just put down and sort of throw across the room half the time. So I try not to write those books. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I, I, I was uh, doing some work on some website copy for a, a client the other day, and they asked me to go through their existing websites and, you know, boil it down. And when I gave them the, the copy, it was, you know, I think it was like less, a little less than five typewritten pages. And they said, well, you know, there was a lot of content on, on the website. How did you boil it all down? I said, honestly, 60% of it was just constantly being repeated mm -hmm. on every page mm -hmm. and, and to the point where in the, and it was long. And I, frankly, it turned me off, except that was the job. So I had, to, <laughs> I had to read it, but 
I mean, I read it on one page, I read it on the other page, and, you know, that's certainly not going to get you where you need to go. Yeah, I think you just have to have respect for your audience, you know, they're not dumb, <laughs> they're going to see that it's repeated, and I think, you know, you have to expect that people are going to want a high standard from you, so I think you've got to deliver that. What do you find when people come to you is kind of their motivation, just, I want to be an author? Or is it really about leveraging it for business and thought leadership and doing presentations? What do, you, what do you find? I think people kind of fall into two camps. There's one who are very, very clear about what the purpose of the book is. It's purely for the growth of their business. It's very strategic. They've got a very specific use case for it. They know exactly how they're going to promote it. They come very ready and it's kind of a, it's, it's another marketing tool to execute. Um, and those books tend to be much more how to do something. They're very focused on process. They're very, um, you know, you could give it to somebody and that reader could go ahead and reproduce the result. Um, on the other hand, there are people who are much more interested in their legacy and they're wanting to, you know, be an author and, you know, have their work recognized for sure. But they're much more interested in sort of documenting how they did what they did, what they've prioritized and sort of showing, you know, what they've achieved. And I think, you know, that's also a very powerful way for people to learn. It's just much more story driven. It's much more personality driven. Um, there's a lot more um, kind of anecdote and that kind of thing in those types of books. And I'm not sure if you can talk about all this, but can you tell me a story about one of your clients and, you know, kind of how you participated in, in, in the process and you know are you a hundred percent writing or is it usually a combination or uh i mean it's been a mix i'd probably prefer if i do all the writing because then i don't have to go and sort of merge two different styles and two different you know um sets of material but um, that has definitely happened and it's fine when it does um, it just takes a little bit longer but um i mean i've had an incredibly diverse range of clients. I've had um, a guy who built a huge design agency after getting sober and having his life sort of burned down and all of his businesses burned down. Um, and now he's, you know, absolutely thriving. So that was a really interesting sort of redemption story. Um, I recently finished um, a book with a woman who migrated to the US from Haiti when she was a child and sort of grew up in a very like, uh, you know, that immigrant family kind of environment where you're always working, always on the lookout for the next big opportunity. And, you know, she has really just made an incredible life for herself. And she's just the most vivacious, high energy person. She's a writer as well. So she, uh, you know, she has a lot of confidence about how the stories can be delivered and everything. And so that was very um, collaborative and really fun. Um, you know, there, there's been a massive range. And I think, you know, everybody has an interesting story. It's just a question of finding the way to tell it so that the reader is is hooked from the outset and, and really takes something powerful away from it. We, we talked about publishing and, and marketing, but is your involvement a, kind of a soup to nuts approach or, or once the book is written and, you know, kind of like, here, here you go, Angelo, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to leave you adrift, but, but I mean, I, I will help you get to the point of publication, you know, getting it listed for sale and then all of the actual launch and all of the marketing. That's where I step out. The um, So I have to I have to ask, of course, when we start thinking about publishing and self-publishing, I mean, I, I turn I listen to people talk. Yeah, I published my book on Amazon. Hey, I published my ebook on Amazon. I mean, it's it's. That seems to be a huge venue to to launch a lot of self-publishing authors. Mm -hmm. Are there other others? There are. There are many others. Um, one platform that I it's it's quite a high standard. This platform you've got to really get everything exactly exactly right. But it's called Ingram Spark. They list the book on every online sales platform. Many. In store, like at physical stores, will will pick up books that have been listed with Ingram Spark. They list it in libraries. They give it to wholesalers. So if you're wanting to sort of go beyond the Amazon sandpit, then you, I would really recommend Ingram 
that, yeah, as I say, they're, they're demanding and you've got to be diligent about getting all your files right and everything and give yourself a little bit of time to list with them. But um, I think it's worth it for the breadth of coverage that you get. Well, part of it is, is the ability to write. Um, I think we, boy, hope my listeners don't start sending me, you know, negative emails, but <laughs> not everybody can write. It's very and, true. and so, you know, part of that writing skill, and I think that kind of takes it out of it in, in when they hire someone like yourself, but do you work with, with the authors to, if, if they're writing versus just interviewing to, to kind of structure, you just don't care how you get the content. I think there are two types of writing. So there's what I would call organic creativity and then there's industrial creativity. So organic creativity is more what you're doing when you're just journaling or you're writing just to amuse yourself or to pass the time or you're, you just had a, an idea and you just want to scribble it down. That's very, you know, it's very organic. It just comes out of nowhere and you put it down and you keep going. Industrial creativity is more like what we do, which is delivering material that we've sort of dreamt up, thought about, and then put onto the page. You know, it's, it's very process driven. We do it on deadlines. You know, there's, there, there's a real difference, I think, between how those two types of writing happen. Everybody can do organic creativity and I think should, you know, it's a really important part, I think, of having a healthy lifestyle. But the industrial stuff takes a lot of practice. And so I don't think there's any shame in it if you don't feel like you're good at that um, because it is a skill set. You know, I went to university for this. I have been writing my whole life. I've worked in the publishing industry the vast majority of my career. So, you know, I have a lot of experience doing this. It's not any judgment on anybody if they don't feel like they're good at this. Um, I think a lot of the people I have worked with have experienced benefit from observing my process. You know, it helps, helps give them a way to organize their thoughts, kind of capture those more creative moments in a way that um, sort of feels complete and allows them to actually go off and use those ideas. You know, a lot of people will have new ideas for their business um, during this process because it sort of opens up all of these conversations that you might not have had before. Um, so yeah, I think there is a lot of benefit to be had in your own skills from working with somebody else. Um, but, you know, I don't think it's a problem if you don't feel like you're there yet. Okay. And, and what you just talked about, is that in the, in the, in the book that you described earlier on the, how to write the book? Um, not really. This is sort of something I've been thinking about more recently. Um, have many thoughts on, okay. <laughs> on writing and creativity, but, um, yeah, it's, it's something that has kind of, um, crystallized in my mind recently that there are these sort of two avenues and that it's not always the same mode of work. You're going to have to hire a ghostwriter. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that I'll be able to do it myself. <laughs> so I want to go back. You mentioned um, back when your publishing days, I mean, you worked on, um, uh, I think you said Tina Fey and Nelson Mandela, but I also saw in your notes, you worked on some Twilight stuff and JK Rowling's and Harry Potter stuff. So did you work um, kind of directly with the authors or were you just taking their manuscripts and doing editing? How did, how did that work? I'm just curious on, on that side of the business. You, you see it in movies, but I'm always <laughs> curious. So I was a publicist. So I was the very end of the process. Books go through this very long journey with, with publishers and publicists come right at the end when the book has actually been released for sale. So the job there is to line up interviews and book reviews, um, organize, tours and go to book festivals you know all of the stuff that puts the book in front of readers so it's very much um sort of a collaborative process often between you and and the author or it might be you and the author's assistant or you and the author's assistant's assistant depending on how big an author they are um so it you know a lot of people I did work with very closely. Other people I maybe saw from a distance and sort of waved and thanks for coming. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, there, there's a huge variety in, in the exposure that you get to authors there. Um, but it was really, it was a really fun role because it's kind of taking them, taking that author when they're at their most tired their lowest ebb in that process because like publishing can be really rough, you know, especially the editing process. You know, if you've kind of come to a point where you're happy with the book and you take it off to the publisher, then they're going to have their own whole process of editing that book, um, which can be really long and really painful. And so often by the time 
the book is completed and it's ready for sale, the author is tired and a bit demoralized. And why would it, why did I do this again? So, you know, my job was kind of to pep them up and get them out in the world and, and, you know, reassure them that this has all been worth it. And, and I think that was what was really gratifying about that role was that you could make it concrete how valuable this process had been because you know suddenly there were real live people who had read their book coming up and saying oh my gosh I love this and you know being really excited and I think that's just a really valuable part of writing a book is seeing how much impact you can actually have on real people. Do, do you do that as part of your service now? No no that's that's where I sort of step back so it's definitely something that I advise on I'll give Plenty of ideas, but I don't do the implementation myself. Okay. I, I appreciate that. I understand that. That's kind of how I feel sometimes when I get into the tactical things in marketing. And and uh, it's like, I can tell you how to do it. I can tell you the process and the strategy. But if you're looking for me to implement it, I'm not your guy. Yeah. Now, you also have a podcast. I do. Why don't you talk about that? <laughs> so that is called The Business of Writing. And I run that with um, my friend, Rachel, who is a copywriter, Rachel Mazza. And we started that podcast basically as a way to highlight how healthy a career writing can be. Because there's kind of this um, trope about writers that you're sort of starving artists sequestered away in some aunt's attic, you know, because you can't pay for bread. And, you know, it's just not true, right? Like, you know, there's, if you're trying to make a living by writing, you know, a novel every four or five years, then it's quite possible that's going to be a hard life. But there are so many ways to make writing pay. And, you know, it's sort of what I was going back to before is this difference between organic and industrial creativity. And this industrial creativity is where the money is. And so, you know, I think showing people all of the different variations of how that can work, you know, there's copywriting, there's journalism, there's ghostwriting, there's novels, there's, you know, there's technical writing, there's so many different things that you can do. And there's just a flood of work, honestly. Like I go on Twitter and, and follow a few writers who sort of collate the jobs that are going and it's just a wild amount of work. So it's it's really about showing people that there is an abundance of, of work available and you know, a lot of different models for how you can make that work. And yeah, it's been really interesting to get to talk to a whole lot of people who are making it work. Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned um, my son when he when he graduated, um, he wanted to come home and write a book before he got into the workforce, and and I think it took him about six months. And I remember when I read it, and then when it finally got published, I mean, he chopped a bunch of this bunch of chapters out and things like that, and and it was interesting. I mean, it was a great concept. Um, I'm not going to say anything he wouldn't tell you. He, he kind of wrote it for himself, mm. and and so it a lot of big words. <laughs> it was actually, uh, some people struggled. Uh, I have a family member who's a voracious reader and, and, and she struggled through it, but it was a really interesting premise. And, and ultimately actually some of the, the things he talked about in the book ended up becoming true. Not that he was predicting anything. It's just kind of the way technology went, but he's made his living to your point, writing blogs, writing video scripts, writing articles for various publications and, I mean, that's that's how he has really survived for the last, for the most part, 12 years since he's been out of school yeah. and, and doing that. There's always opportunities. One of the things, though, I saw, we're going to kind of get off on content for a quick second, is there was a point in time that I noticed that people were looking for content writers, but literally paying them pennies on the word kind of thing. And so I always wondered how people could make a living if they're looking for a you know a 300 word blog and they want to pay you 10 bucks for it. Well, you can write a lot of those <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> um, wouldn't recommend it. Um, although that is kind of how I got started. I was writing nutrition articles for 30 bucks a pop and I was trying to do three or four a day. And, you know, you can do that for a few months before you fall off a cliff. Um, but it's, you know, there's, it's, it's, I think about learning what the value to the client is. Um, if you understand, okay, this blog post is going to generate them this many leads and that many sales and that many sales is going to mean this much revenue and that much profit, then 
you can sort of start to reverse engineer what the value is of your work. And that does take being willing to have those conversations with clients and being able to say, okay, so working backwards, what's the point of this piece of content? What's it trying to sell? If it's trying to sell a product or if it's trying to educate people, like what's the, what's the lifetime value of a customer to you? What does it mean for you to sell a product? You know, what kind of Ascension offers do you have? You know, you sort of need to think about the business in a more holistic sense than just Mm -hmm. I'm here to write a piece of content about X because it's never just really the piece of content. They're doing that for a reason, you know, they want it to pay off in some way. And so I think, you can become a lot more confident about charging more when you understand the role of what you're delivering. That's a great point. I, I, you know, we, we, as I'll, I'll include you in the, we, this time we, we struggle with fees and the value that the clients get. Cause a lot of times I was like, you're going to charge me what per hour? Mm. I said, it's, and so my argument is it's not the cost of the hours. The fact that you're getting, you know, 25 plus years of experience jam packed in that. Hour. Mm, mm. And, and so you're every client I've worked on everything I've ever done in that 60 minutes, you're getting that versus, you know, paying 20 bucks to somebody who you think can do the same thing, but they don't have the experience, the background. And, and so obviously you, in your time as a ghostwriter and building and, you know, writing content for 30 bucks an hour and, and, and building that up, I mean, you're bringing a wealth of experience and a process that, that really streamlines how to get from point A to point Z um, very efficiently. We are coming to an end. Um, so I have a couple last questions. What inspires you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Oh, I mean, what gets me out of bed in the morning is my dog, unfortunately. <laughs> He's very enthusiastic early in the morning. Um, what inspires me is, I think, watching other people step into who they really want to be, you know, and and I think writing is just such a powerful way to make that happen and to show people what's possible. Um, I really... You know, I I am very inspired by other people's creativity. I'm very inspired by nature. I read a lot and, um, you know, I try to balance my work with plenty of time, you know, with my family and with with loved ones because I think there is a lot of inspiration that comes from the small things in in life. And so I try to be present enough to notice those um, because it gives me a lot of momentum. I love that. So... Some parting words on your part. Um, what if you could pick two or three, four, whatever you want to give kind of tips and tricks and some advice to all those would be authors out there? First thing is to think about who your reader is and what they want from this book. I think that is most often missed uh, for a lot of authors. You sort of start with an idea that you are interested in. Um, But often it gets stuck somewhere between you and the page because it's not clearly defined enough for a reader. And the process of sort of trying to put that down highlights that it needs more thought. Um, So understanding who your reader is and what they want from you, sort of, you know, as you would do for any kind of marketing campaign, uh, is going to help you clarify that idea a lot. Um, And once you have that idea, you know, put some notes on the page. Don't start with a blank page. It's so hard you know, to start with nothing. And so even if you start out by writing about what you had for breakfast or, you know, what the weather's doing this morning, just give yourself a few minutes to just blather along for, for a little bit because eventually the words will come and you'll sort of start to get focused on what you're actually doing and what you want to write about. But, you know, cut yourself a break because nobody starts with the perfect sentence. You know, it doesn't come out right the first time for anybody. So let yourself kind of come around to it as the ideas get stronger. Um, I think the other thing would be, you know, don't hold yourself to anybody else's writing rules. You know, there's so much material out there about this and that person's writing routine and you have to write every day and you have to do this and that. And it's just not true you know it's going to be how you want to do it and you can try out those routines you know try them on see if they fit you and if they don't then try something else there's no one right way to do this and it's very much a practice of 
figuring out what works for you and then sticking to it for as long as it works for you and it might change and that's okay. This is, uh, thank you so much. This has been a, a great conversation, educational. I, 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 you could see my pages. I've written all sorts of notes. <laughs> I am going to go buy your book when we're done with this conversation and I assume I can get it on Amazon. Yes, you can. First. So why don't we tell the audience how they can reach you, your contact information, you know, all that good stuff. So the best place to reach me is through my website, which is lauraiswriting.com. I also have a daily newsletter where I write about writing and all of this stuff that we've been talking about today. So that's lauraiswriting.com forward slash the hyphen draft. And that's uh, Monday to Friday. I write every day. Um, so that's a good way to kind of keep up with what I've been thinking about and working on. Um, you can email me at laura.gale at lauraiswriting.com. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, it's great. I've got all, I've, I got your flyer here and I'm looking at all of your contact information. I actually signed up for something on your website today, some kind of a guidebook. I think it was, if I remember, and great. signed up to, to participate. You, you've got me hooked. You've got me inspired. I'm going to come out and start writing again. I'm going to get this book done. Damn it. It's a mission now. It's a mission. <laughs> I'm going to just pick one and uh, get it done instead yeah. of worrying about the three that are in all various stages. Yeah. So again, thank you so much. This has been so inspirational and insightful. Because I, I know a lot of people that talk about it. I mean, it's I, I have people have had conversations about it all the time, and 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 everybody just struggles with the same thing: as how do they get started? But more importantly, not even getting started, just how do they continue? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Angelo. It's been really lovely, and I'll look forward to chatting again. All right. Well, take care, Laura. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciated it. And wow, 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 wow! You listeners just got an education extremely valuable education in, in ghostwriting and books and promotions and marketing. This was, uh, I can't even tell you how excited I am about this, this episode. It's for me, it's personal. And uh, again, I got an education, so I, I hopefully you did as well. My company, the Ponzi Group provides consulting, interim and fractional marketing and leadership services with a focus on the strategic and analytical side of marketing, we take a holistic approach to driving business growth. Consider us your marketing architects. We use research to gather the necessary insights from your customers, prospects, the competition, and the marketplace to develop fact-based approaches to building effective and efficient growth plans. And, much like a general contractor, we partner with internal teams or carefully selected vetted individuals and organizations to execute the strategies and plans, as well as provide oversight and management to ensure we stay on brand and plan. To learn more about our services, visit theponzigroup.com. Thank you again for joining me here at the cafe. And if you are a subscriber, thank you very much. And please let others know about this show and the great content, like frankly, you just heard today. You can go to the businessgrowthcafe.com. You can go to iTunes, Google, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, any place you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to this show. And I, and I want to thank you for doing so. Join me here next week at the Business Growth Cafe. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.